Hi, everyone. Welcome to What Just Happened with Christine Russo. Today, we welcome Andy Rubin. Andy is executive chairman and founder of Trove. Welcome, Andy. It was very interesting when I started. I started probably three years ago to get become aware of brands getting a bite of the apple in resale because there's a lot of equity in product development that just poof goes away once it exchanges hands. So Trove is the OG in the space, in my view, you know, very early out there. And look, though industry caught up, you led the way. And I think that that's a great accomplishment. Let's talk about that. The big question is the one that you raised, the brands, the, you know, Canada Gooses of the world, the Patagonias, the Arcterics of the world. They're the ones who have made these pieces. They've spent 10 years in materials and design and craftsmanship, and this is their art. And of course they should be involved in the second and third and fourth sale. So to think that they wouldn't be is crazy. And as they are involved, it's the biggest thing I know of in supply chain and for sustainability, it allows them to stay in touch with a broader set of customers, to have more brand loyalty, to elevate the brand, the brands that, will make the most money by owning their share of the secondary market because the secondary market for these products is the most healthy. I mean, this is a great world for them. The people it's not a great world for are brands that don't make great stuff, that doesn't have a life after the first sale. Those people are not gonna love this future. But brands that make incredible products should love this future. I started my career at Procter & Gamble and then had the fortune at Walmart to oversee Walmart's private brands, which are, you know, three of the top seven brands in the world. Like it, they're big brands and they matter to a lot of people. And when you think of what, you know, just a lot of, I really appreciate the people I've been able to learn from in terms of what a brand means and still learning about. But I think that's at the heart of where the opportunity here exists. It's in brands doing what they do really well. And the ones that do it well, I'm in awe of, just constant in awe of. They're so good at it. Yeah. Well, as I said, it's equity that the brand has put into it. And so they have a stake in, 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 a, in a life cycle. It's not a one and done. Right. It's the fastest growing space in retail. It's why customers continue to flock to this mode of shopping, thrifting, resale, pre-owned, pre-loved, used. Just makes sense. We look at the brand executives and the brand as a whole. Are the brand executives, do they see resale as a strategic channel or do they see it as a one-time PR opportunity? No one aspires to see something as a one-time opportunity, but certain brands are farther along. I think the possibility that this, just like e-commerce in the early 2000s, will be a way that we shop. And of course, just as e-commerce evolves, you want to be positioned that if e-commerce we imagine ourselves back in 2001, e-commerce was tiny for brands. If you imagine you're standing at that point going, you know, this could be a big thing. It does appear this is a difference in the way customers shop. Let's position ourselves that as it grows, we will grow with the customer shift. And we appreciate when brand leaders see resale in that way, not as just something they have to do for sustainability. When they see it as a business in a channel, we have a great partnership. Resale supports store channels. It supports online. It drives loyalty, brand equity we've talked about, traffic, conversion, conversion of new product, first-time purchases. 
Resale should do those things for you. And if you see it as a channel, you think about resale as part of your overall brand. If you see it as a standalone sustainability check the box, you're probably never going to get the true sustainability benefit because you're not going to approach it as a business. And we like to work with brands that see that. Right. You know, sometimes you get that middle scenario where you have, okay, just PR driven decision processes and then also strategy. But then you have the, you have to kind of convert, you have to convert brands in a way and make them think that certainly when you were starting, you needed to kind of help them over, like push them over a little tipping point. This is going to be a business model for you. It's, yep. it's again, like you said, to 2001 of e-commerce where you, you had a lot of retailers go, yeah, yeah. Right. So many you had, it was the wild west and we, we remember it. And one of, one of the best, I think it's really hard to push anyone to do anything. One of the best ways the market evolves is when brands see other brands winning and brands say, Hey, I deserve a piece of that. We're in close to 900 us stores right now with trade in tech. And we just, we just had another Carhartt just announced bringing all of our trade in tech into their stores through us stores. So we continue to increase the number of us locations, leveraging the tech and it gets better all the time, but we do trade in tech. We do the reverse logistics tech that can sit in a trove warehouse, but can also sit in a number of three PL warehouses across North America. So we are in six facilities right now that are non-trove facilities that includes repair and, and repair, cleaning everything. We also do commerce. So a big part of this that's often overlooked is when you've got hundreds of thousands of one of one pieces, how do you merchandise this on an online storefront to get the right conversion? And you can't just, you can't just have all the items singly listed because it's a pretty rough customer experience. So how do you stack those items? So you might see one item, but there could be 300 items behind it. How do you have the right customer experience and how do you know how to merchandise those items? There's technology there. And then the fourth part of the technology is the insights. And really what we've done is we've instrumented, just like e-commerce, we've instrumented the end-to-end -end process of items coming in, moving, being pathed, being sold at the best and highest value in the right channels and the right place, and to understand the economics and the sell-through and the metrics so that brands can then improve and tweak their models over time to make more money and grow the program. Just like e-commerce. And I, you know, it's of course the same way that we build any channel like e-commerce, we do that and we accept it, that it's just normal. That same expectation about instrumentation and configuring is also there for the resale channel and it should be operated by a brand in the same way. And the technology we built is designed to do that for a brand. As a forerunner in this space, how do you feel about there being more competition in what you do? The reason for starting what's now Trove was that it feels obvious to me that one out of four items should come from someone else. It's obvious. So the fact that there's more competition right now shows that this is working. It's happening. What a great, like, I mean, believe me, like it makes, makes our lives, you know, more hectic. That's good though. But what a great thing.
Like it, it, it shows there's an industry here and there's demand, not just for one player, but many players. And there's a lot more innovation and people are, boy, I mean, we just, we better run faster. It's great all around. I mean, I'm not saying easier, but it's fantastic. Right. Right. So does it make differentiating more difficult? Does everything come down to price now? What does the landscape look like for you now? There is, well, two things. One is there's an incredible benefit from time and experience. So we had a four to five year head start. There's the scale that we provide, the ability to process millions of items, even though there are many players in the space. Trove represents at our last estimate, 70 plus percent of all resale branded traffic in the world. REI shared in 2021, they sold a million used products in 2021. So you can imagine the scale of some of the, of some of the brands that Trove supports. And if you look at that compared to some of the programs that have launched lately, I mean, those, those are a great sign that more brands are launching, but there's a long way to go between them and REI. And so that's another just distinction for us that we've, We've operated at a scale that brands will want to have. So there's a lot that comes with that. Right. The, your ecosystem of brands seems to be, I mean, truly, truly crafted product, whether it's on the technical side, Mm -hmm. primarily it's on the technical side. It's all this technical fabric Mm -hmm. and technical construction that it goes back to the, the investment the research, the R&D, the actual first price selling price out the door is, yeah. is, is fairly high. So yeah. there seems to be kind of that sweet spot for you, but I'm sure that there are other areas where you can grow and facilitate. I think technical in, a, in an intentionality of the products being made is correct. Patagonia Retro X from 1992 is still selling above the original price. When there's demand, there's a healthy resale business. Patagonia talks about better than new, right? It's the idea that like over time, the brands that we work with have pieces that appreciate. The healthier a brand is, the higher the percentage they can resell in the secondary market compared to their original price. What is the amount of current inventory that's sold at a discount in season compared to full price? The higher the percentage a brand sells on full price, great signal for a brand that's going to do well in resale. The original price point, right? A brand that has a warranty program, a repair program, great signals. These are all things that all come back to, is there demand by all of us for these products when they're in the secondary market? You've given some some insight into your evaluation process. That's right. Mm-hmm. We published something that's a map of sorts of the industry. So we looked, it was the, called the Brand Resale Index. It's available on Trove.com. And we looked at all the brands doing resale and said, who are the brands that are really winning with new customer acquisition and loyalty and with the commerce experience and the trade and experience and with brand equity? And so we provided for any brand who's in resale or not, who are the brands that are leading? So it's a map to say, okay, no matter where I am, who do I look to and what, what program elements could I think about to get more value out of resale? And the overall leading brand, you know, in this year's report was REI. 
one way that brands accelerate this is by seeing REI and seeing what they're doing and saying, well, we could be doing that. <laughs> we could be, we could be making more money on these items. We could do a better job with our returns. We could be doing trade-in. We could increase lifetime value for our customers. So I think that as brands lead out, other brands look at that and question why they're not getting the same benefit. And then they will. Increasingly, as a brand looks at this landscape, their products are going to be sold pre-owned in many places. And it's another reason that the brand, the brand's job is to own the equity in the brand and to make sure that in this future world where anybody can buy back, you know, whatever retailer can buy back and resell a Patagonia outside of Patagonia's choice. So in that future world where more people are doing that, it's only more reason that Patagonia needs a strategy for how to manage their secondary market. And Lululemon's a really good example because Lululemon launched, Lululemon's an incredibly um, popular brand on eBay and ThreadUp and Poshmark. And the moment that Lululemon launched in the first two states, which are California and Texas, they basically took back half of the secondary market that existed for their products outside of them. And then within the first 12 months, their program internally was the same size as all of their products on the secondary market outside of Lululemon. And since then, it's far exceeded the size of, they've basically taken back a majority of their secondhand product so that they can authenticate that it truly is a Lululemon product. They can decide how it's marketed, how it's listed, when it's listed, how it's priced, and they can take back control of this element of the brand as opposed to leaving it up to whoever wants to sell it to make their quarter with no connection to Lululemon. If something doesn't sell and if something's returned, in theory, there could be an issue with it. And there's a price for everything. And mm -hmm. sometimes the, the amount for something is $0. Like it truly has a problem. It's sure made wrong, doesn't fit, one leg's longer than the other. Who the heck knows, right? So <laughs> you don't want those on a resale program. You don't want it to be like a garbage dump. So what's the process no. there? What's How do you prevent that? We, some of, so Trove, so our goal, we see the customer shift. We realize that brands deserve their stake in that shift. And as brands do this, it's going to accelerate a better future, sustainability-wise and other. So our job, Trove, we support brands with the tools and technology so that they can run this world. And one of the, one of the really big technology advances for brands, ability to, at the first point of seeing an item, whether that's an in-store trade-in, whether that's in the return DC, whether that's in someone's home, to understand what the condition of the item is and do it objectively, not subjectively. And that requires the technology to allow a brand to condition grade inside a returns facility, whether the person doing that condition grading started this morning, started five years ago, knows the brand incredibly well, have consistency across many facilities. Do you have a lot of inbound increase going because of the more awareness and more likelihood of adoption by retailers globally or just domestically? Yeah. Both. Two things have shifted in the last, I would say, 24 months. If you go back a year and a half ago, there were 30 brands globally 
with dedicated resale programs, they're close to 200 now. So we've seen an incredible growth in brands who have said, hey, this is a really relevant shift in our customers and we're hearing about it and we've got to keep pace. The second thing we're seeing right now is we're seeing a lot of brands who have started in the last year, but can't get the scale depending on the model and the way that they've started, or they've started with a third-party marketplace and they've learned that customers love it, but over time, the incentives aren't aligned with who owns the customer and the data and they want to bring it in-house. So we're seeing a growth in the market. We're also seeing a growth from brands who have started a program somewhere and are now looking to scale it. That two-year, 18-month differential from 30 to 200 is, I think that speaks volumes on the shift in the mindset. It's a, let's go back to the word tipping point, but it truly, you know, if you think about generational pull or push or shift change, it like ratchets down. It's like, it's like that game in American Ninja Warrior where like the stick has to go up or think of it going like, yes. Clunk yes. down. So I feel like that period of time went very much power and wallet and just an influence from, you know, kind of millennial yep. to Gen Z, like clunk down. And they're just, it's a demand case now. Well, I don't know if you would that's agree right. with that, but that's how I see it. Oh, a hundred percent. This is a 15 year shift that's going on. Brands took the thing with the poll. Brands took a really big like leap forward with the poll. We got to one rung about a year and a half ago when, when, when many brands said, let's get in the space. We're going to see the next rung now is where brands say, now we're in the space, but how do we make it a business? That's the next rung we're about to see. And I think over the next two years, we're going to see some brands that say, oh, look, it really wasn't a thing, just like happened in e-commerce. No, it is a thing. Maybe it just wasn't being done right with the right partner. So it is, we are going to see some brands over the next 18 months say, look, resale wasn't that big. And then we're going to see brands that double down on the scale. Anything else we should touch on as we come to nearing our close time? Anything you want to share that you have coming announcements, mergers, things that you can't tell anyone but me and the audience? (laughs) One of uh... One of the biggest that we have not been able to talk about, the announcement that we made this week was that increasingly our technology is sitting in many 3PL and many brand facilities. So we're taking the technology that we've built over the last six years to condition grade and price and identify and merchandise millions of one-of-one items and now put that in the place where the item first shows up. So there's only one touch. It's way more efficient. The item never has to be moved. We now have access to millions of square feet on behalf of these 3PL players. We are in US, we're now in Canada. So it just allows us to take this thing that's working and scale it. And that is a really big step forward. And I think it's one more kind of milestone along a journey where resale to be either you can stay niche and have it in a box or you can be scale and figure out what the really role of players like Trove is to support brands. And we are watching the evolution of who Trove is and what brands need in order to create the scale. And I think that that's, this week was a really exciting milestone there. The, the brand's ability to tell their story through the experience they provide their customers and the use and, and experience of their product 
is something that has had it's it's been done before, but it's been done as advertising and marketing. And the more items that brands continue to stay in touch with over the life of the item, brands will have more opportunity to craft their narrative and tell their story. And you think about like this entire landscape that's opened up for a really high quality brand, right? A brand that's got something to say. That's that's where it's like it's it's really an entirely it's just a wider space to get to play in as a brand leader. It's great. Well, thank you for affording everyone for widening the space. Awesome. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. It's been a great That's session. Awesome. For you. Thank you. What, what a, it's a fun conversation. I,